Welcome everyone to the Only Women Entrepreneurs Podcast, also known as O. Here we talk to powerful women who have forged their own paths in life and alternative careers. Join me as we discover the lessons they learned along the way. I'm your host, Rosemary Tuscolini, a former high school English teacher who turned the business of teaching into manufacturing. I worked at a family owned and operated company called Royal Door Limited for over 30 years creating award-winning and custom-made wood doors for celebrities, TV shows, blockbuster movies, and countless people around the world. Now, my new initiative is O, and it's dedicated to empowering and equipping aspiring female entrepreneurs with the necessary tools for success. Today, I am excited to, to announce that we're joined with an exceptional woman whose journey from welding in an ethanol plant to becoming a respected welder. She's an instructor and private contractor. And you know what? It's nothing short of inspiring. Meet Amy Nickel. This welding instructor has nearly four years of experience at WSU Tech in Wichita, Kansas. Amy's career in welding started on the shop floor, where she tackled structural welding, pipe welding, and much, much more. However, her story doesn't stop at welding. She's also a successful entrepreneur and private contractor, specializing in projects like building docks and fencing. Sounds cool, isn't it? I want to dig in and find out more about Amy. So what sets Amy apart is her unwavering commitment to empowering women. Her personal goal is very clear to increase the representation of women in welding. Since she started teaching, the number of female students in her welding program has soared from just two to over 20. That's an incredible accomplishment. Amy, welcome to the Oak Podcast. Thank you for having me. So I just want to get started with letting our audience know who Amy Nickel is. Let's start with a little bit of your educational background and your work experience. So I went to welding school um, and whenever I went to welding school, I graduated and then I went instantly into the field and I started welding pipe, um, building tanks, all that good stuff. Um, but welding school changed my life. And so um, I feel like whenever I started doing that, it wasn't really necessarily filling my cup enough whenever I was in the field. Mm -hmm. And then I got married and I knew I wanted to be a mom. And so I got the opportunity to teach and it just uh, was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I started coming here whenever I was teaching. I was like, there's one girl, maybe two girls. And whenever I was working out in the field, I was the only girl um, in a shop of 300 people. Wow. So I was like, this is like my passion. This is like <laughs> my goal. I want to get more women out there in the field. Now that's incredible. So how old were you when you started getting these ideas that perhaps the welding field would be your cup of tea? I was older, honestly. I didn't know. I was uh, more whenever I was in high school. They didn't have these programs like they do now. Um, I wasn't guided necessarily towards anything like this. I didn't even know girls could weld. I didn't know anything about that life. Um, I was pushed more towards the medical field, like right. most girls were at that age. Um, so I did try that out in the beginning, um, and I just figured out I was like, this is not for me. So I was around like 23, 24, mm -hmm. um, whenever I went to college, and uh, I hated it. I was like, this is just not what I want to do. I want to work with my hands. I'm more of an artistic person and I remember walking by the welding shop every day in college I'm like they're just so cool like I wish I could do that you know and I didn't even know I could do it and then one day I just got a wild hair and I was like I'm gonna enroll for welding and I did and I loved it and I was really good at it um, so that's how I got started in welding very interesting I, I just want to go back to a few points that you said I think 
everyone can concur with the idea that you're going to school, you're only given the college route. Like for women, especially, you can go into teaching, you can go into the medical field, but anything that's blue collar or skilled trades, we don't have any knowledge about that. And that's quite unfortunate. And that's why we're here today. It's very important that we get word out that we speak to everyday women like yourself to say, yes, there are other opportunities instead of just going to college. When I was going through high school, we were actually lucky. We had a couple of courses that we were able to take a shop where we were introduced to the automobile industry, but it would have been nice if they would have had a welding program or if they would have had a carpentry program, because that would have been something I would have been interested in because I like building things. I like creating things. And it's kind of a show of an artistic expression, which I think is being denied in schools today. Yes, definitely. I like, I'm jealous of the girls that get to go do that now. Cause I was like, wow, I wish I would have been given this opportunity back in the day. Cause we just didn't have that even 10 years ago, whenever I was in, in high school, they just didn't have those options for women. And so I really take that as my mission now to make sure I representation is key. And I know a lot of the girls, like I go speak at high schools as well. And like, they see me and I hope that's why the enrollment has gone up so high. Cause like, they're like, Hey, she can do it. So can I, you know, that's great. So in your opinion, how young should we start introducing the trades to the generation that's in schools right now? Pretty young. We do this thing um, for uh, over the summer. It's called mm -hmm. Girls Rock Science. And so we have girls um, from, I think it's third grade to sixth grade. And then from like sixth, seventh and eighth, they have like two different groups and they come and expose all these young girls to like, um, there's robotics. They do the drone program. They come in virtual world with me and it's just all girls um, as, as young as third grade. So they like have it in their minds that, that they know what all this stuff is. They're being exposed to all of it, engineering, um, all different kinds of stuff. So it's really cool. That's fantastic. That's really encouraging to hear. So what opportunities exist for women in the, the field of welding? Um, the the sky is the limit, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> welding good. is such a, such a broad um, thing. So like you could go, um, there's a bunch of different processes. So like whenever I have my students here, my main thing is to when they leave here, they know what they want to do and they find like what they want to do. So they could go weld on airplanes. They could go weld on bridges. They could go weld pipe they can just literally anything they want to do they can go build it. anything with metal is available if they want to go be an artist exactly so anything that you see that's uh, metal like like you said automotive it could be uh, in airline uh, boats mm -hmm. now i know that you worked on docks so did you mm -hmm. do underwater welding or was it just uh, on the land surface it was just on the land. So unfortunately, I'm in Kansas, so we're landlocked. But, <laughs> but we did set the, the the posts and stuff out in the water, but it wasn't anything underwater. But yeah, it was like out in the middle of lakes and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. But underwater welding is on my list of wanting to try eventually. <laughs> well, that would be so cool because you got some of these bridges, like the the Golden Gate Bridge in mm -hmm. San Francisco, and and they have to be maintained. So you have mm -hmm. to have a crew that goes underwater and and checks for the structure to make sure that it's perfectly intact and there's no issues. And if there are, then they can remedy them before something you know awful might happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I find that fascinating. And see, I didn't know about that in, until I interviewed a person a few weeks back that they wanted to be an underwater uh, welder, but they said that the training was too long and they just wanted to get out into the work world yeah. and, and go for it. So, okay. So the um, opportunities are uh, limitless, basically. 
Mm-hmm. And so what are we looking at in terms of pay like and, and job security? Would you be able to uh, comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. My students, um, that's like my main thing uh, that we go over with when they're here. Not only am I teaching them the world, I'm giving them the skills and the knowledge of like they make their resumes and I find jobs and I partner with people. So whenever they leave here, they have a secure option. They aren't just like, I don't know where to go. They know exactly where they're going. Mm-hmm. A lot of my students already have jobs while they're here. So like internships, um, but a lot of the starting pay. So there was so since COVID, there's been like a huge pay increase. Okay. Um, in- in this area. Um, so a lot of my students leave here making 25 an hour, 18 years old, just graduated college, That's great. Um, the higher end of like 35. So it's really cool to see them make that much money um, right at 18 years old. And what's that in co- comparison to minimum wage in your state? 725. Wow. Yeah, we're I'm- in Kansas. So it's pretty low. <laughs> that, oh man, and just 18 years old and $25 an hour compared to seven and a quarter. Yeah, that, that is a huge incentive. And then mm-hmm. one thing, though, uh, I experienced personally when I, I was a child, my dad was uh, working in a manufacturing plant. They actually did the airplane wings for a company called McDonnell Douglas. And then it was bought out by Boeing. Uh, when the economy was red hot, and uh, this was uh, during the Reagan years, a lot of fighter crafts were ordered. And uh, so my dad was working double shift. Mm-hmm. But then when uh, Reagan had finished his term, uh, new president came in, they said, no, we're, we're not doing defense contracts. So my dad was saw a decrease in hours. So there was a bit of a insecurity in hours and job security. Mm-hmm. Is Would that be the case in welding or you're pretty much set if you have you know, your credentials, you have the experience? So maybe like uh like 15 years ago maybe they I think they probably would have seen that mm-hmm. but now since um all the older generation like that that was pushed like all the older generation are are all blue collar right yep. well then like our generation then everybody was pushed to go to college university stuff like that so there's a right. huge gap in the blue collar industry so they can't get enough people right now. Like you, you can probably go to any welding place and apply and you'll get the job. Um, they are like uh, needing people so bad in this industry because all the old guys are retiring and there's like this huge gap of people that didn't right. go to the blue collar area. So this is the time right now to be pushing the trades because they need people so bad and they're paying for them now too. So you're not only making a lot of money, you're also going to not, ha- you're going to have that job security. Yeah, I think one obstacle that I want to see if uh, it could be uh, helped out is um, a lot of women feel that they have some uh, financial restraints, that they don't have the money to go and and pay for certifications or courses. Are there any types of um, government uh, grants or sponsorships, even employers, would they pay for the the schooling of uh, potential candidates? I know there's a lot of uh, aircraft people around here um, that will pay for them to go to school here. And then also I teach like a majority of the high school program. Um, so like when I, they go for free, uh, if you're in high school in our area, you right. can go the entire um, uh, get your degree for free and they don't have to pay a dime. And then they have a lot of scholarships. And then there are a lot of places around here that will pay for people to come get their welding certificates because they need welders um, that bad. That's that's actually encouraging. So all all you really need is um, you have to decide if you want to uh, go into it. And uh, like before someone makes a, a big career choice, because you've got to picture doing this for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Are there like um, workshops or um, opportunities where someone can maybe try it out for 
a month or two months just to see, just to get a feel for welding to say, hey, you know what? I'm not sure exactly what it entails, but let me try a hands-on approach and then perhaps, um, you know, I can get a feel for it and maybe I can uh, commit down the line. Do you guys offer something like that? Uh, we don't necessarily have any workshops like that, but if for whatever reason, like if they were in high school and they were going for free, mm-hmm. um, there wasn't any loss of money or anything like that. And and if they th- went the first year and they were like, oh, this just isn't for me, no harm, no foul, you right. know, they got a little extra um, skill under their belt, but they didn't lose any money out of their pocket. Okay, that's that's fair. Good, great. So all is dedicated to empowering women in alternative careers. That's our mission. And uh, your personal goal is to represent women welders and empower more of them to join the uh, industry. So Mm -hmm. how has your mission evolved during your time as an instructor at uh, WSU? So like uh, you stated before, whenever I first started teaching, this is my fourth year, um, there was like two girls in the entire program. And we um, have like 150 students here at WSU Tech just in our welding program. Um, So that's not a whole lot. Um, And then this year we have over 20 girls um, in our program. And that is amazing to me because uh, that's showing that we are definitely moving in the right direction. Um, girls feel more comfortable being here um, or being they're being exposed to it more. Um, so it really makes me happy that we have a huge jump in women numbers in our program. So how did you get from two to 20? Was it just um, the two <clears throat> students that were initially enrolled went back to other uh, young girls and say, hey, you know what, this is a great opportunity to enter this uh, career. Or, or did you guys do advertising? Like, how did you uh, encourage them to, to come into the program? So I've talked to a couple of high school girls, like we go to different um, yep. schools and like I'll go talk to them. And then our marketing department's really good about um, mm-hmm. like going marketing uh, the women in the welding. And then we did a Metallica, uh, Metallica scholarships and they, it was only four women in welding at one point in time. So the, the band Metallica sponsored all these girls, gave them free boots, all that good stuff. So it was really cool. Um, but I know it definitely word of mouth. Like I know the girls that have been here, they love being here. They tell all their friends at high school and then they're like, Oh, well, that's cool. I'm going to try. Um, so definitely just personal experience. I know that the girls that have been here, they love being here and they definitely have spread the word. And that's great. And that's why we're here today so that we can spread the word because this is a, the greatest uh, platform on earth to get the message out. And hopefully we'll encourage uh, more people to come and we address this huge uh, shortage that we're experiencing actually, not only in America, but worldwide. And mm-hmm. it's very ser- serious this is to a point where it's critical. And, and I'm concerned because we're not going to be able to, to maintain the infrastructure that was built uh, years ago, decades ago. But what about the new um, structures that we need because uh, our, our country's population is, is growing every day, right? And we, mm-hmm. we need to get these trades um, quickly. Um, yeah. They need to learn and they need to be on the job as soon as possible to address all these shortages. Mm-hmm. So at O, we uh, focus heavily on uplifting women, Mm-hmm. I want you to, if possible, share a story of a female student you've taught who has made uh, an impact in the welding industry. Um, so I've had a few. Um, the girls that come in here, um, it's not easy. This is not an easy environment to go in. And so, like, I definitely like to prepare them for that. Like, whenever I went to work, it, it's not easy. And you got to be tough and you kind of have t- tough skin. The world is changing, so it's not like it was before. Right. But um, so I had a girl come in here. And she was just scared to death. Like she didn't want, like, wasn't so sure. And then by the time she left, she was just so confident, like confident in all areas of her life. 
Um, she like asked me if she could come back and teach just because it impacted her so much. And um, she was financially stable to do everything she wanted to do. She loved her job. Um, but it's just the, the giving the women the confidence that they they didn't have when they started and when they left. They're just you can just tell they're like radiating like they can do they can conquer the world, you know. Um, so that's what I love seeing is the empowerment whenever they leave here. And, you know, kudos to you for taking up that responsibility of being a female leader and um, also a mentor, because that's one thing that's really lacking everywhere, that there are a lot of successful women worldwide. But the thing is, they need to come out in public to to share some of their experiences and um, their resources and their guidance, because right now, okay, we, we all went through the pandemic, which was horrible. And a lot of psychological uh, issues. You've got mm -hmm. um, families that are under stress. We've got inflation. We've got a lot of uncertainty in the world. So we're not getting any positivity uh, mm -hmm. as of now. So it's good to have women come out and, and say, hey, despite what's going on, focus on yourself. Find something that you like to do. And you know what? Go for it. And by doing that, you're you're actually making the world a better place. So I, I want to thank you for taking on that leadership role. It's very, very important. Yes, it is. The, 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 I call it the blue collar sisterhood. So it's definitely that we support each other. And I usually like last year, I had about eight girls uh, in our program and we all went on a little pizza like date and we all just like, we we're all in the same classes. And so we all didn't really know each other, but just to like have that camaraderie, it's just like so important. It's like somebody that can relate to you and they're going through the same things as you and, and uplifting each other. And the girls love that. And they're all still friends to this day now. So I think that's super important. That's, that's so good. Great point. Um, another one of uh, our mission is empowering uh, young women to become entrepreneurs. And entrepreneurship often takes uh, calculated risks. So what are some of the challenges you personally faced when you ventured into private contracting and how did you overcome them? Um, it's just, it's a big world, um, to go into and definitely not having the experience under your belt is kind of intimidating. Um, so I definitely, I worked with somebody under somebody that had had like 40 years of experience and, and working under him and learning under him really made me feel more comfortable, um, doing all that kinds of stuff. Cause having your own business is kind of scary. So um, just putting yourself out there and having the confidence and telling yourself like, hey, I know what I'm doing um, and not being intimidated by other people that might doubt you, you know, along the mm. way. Um, so that's been one of probably the biggest struggles. Yeah. And, and are, how, are you handling that now? Have you overcome it or yeah, you still encounter it? Yeah, you still encounter those those people that put that doubt in you. But I think I'm to the point now where I'm like, nope, there's nobody that's going to doubt me because I put in so much work and I have built my confidence up so much. Like I know what I'm doing and, and nobody's going to tell me different. So um, yeah, yeah. I feel more confident myself in my welding abilities and, and the the business side of it. And I just would love to share that with all the other girls. Like don't ever let anybody stand in your way okay. ever. And, th and that's uh, so important. You know, again, just uh, reiterating that important point is as long as you are able to learn and, and mm -hmm. learn your, whatever trade you're going into, or if you're going into entrepreneurship and, and they say, know your shit. If you know your shit, then you don't have to worry about it because you're going to have uh, people always criticizing. You're going to have the negative sayers. Well, you know, I'll block them out and you just focus on, on you, on what you want to accomplish and then have your vision of what your end dream is. 
And of mm-hmm. course, you know, whether, whether it's you or me, we all have people that say negative things. So what? Mm-hmm. But I'm having this wonderful conversation with a, a great person right now. And you know what? That just made my day. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to make your day and, and many other women we're hoping that it will yeah. uh, do. So many aspiring uh, entrepreneurs, they struggle to start up their own business because it's it's a lot of work, a lot of commitment. So what exactly motivated you to become a private contractor and what advice would you give those considering a similar path? Um, I just, being your own boss is kind of nice. Uh, I'm not going to lie, um, but I would definitely recommend working under somebody that has been uh, doing that. Um, and so you can get that experience from them. That way um, you learn a lot more and you don't have to second guess yourself. You don't have to like start from rock bottom, um, work under somebody that's been doing it for a long mm-hmm. time that you trust, that'll give you the guidance. And that way you can build up your confidence and you don't have to really have that rough path of, I'm not sure which way to go. Uh, find somebody that will teach you and be willing to learn and, and be okay with making mistakes because everybody makes mistakes, but don't let that set you back. That's perfect advice. So in, in the world of private contracting, customer service is vital. So how do you ensure your clients are satisfied with your work and what strategies have you found most effective in building uh, lasting relationships with them? Um, you just have to be communicate, like you have to communicate with them. If there's something that goes wrong or if there's something that's not going to work or if something changes along the way, you just have to be like communicate with them and let them know um, like what, if they want that or they don't want that. Um, So it's probably just being personable and being human and then talking about to them what they do and don't like and stuff like that. So you can't just go and do what you want to do. Like it's part of their process, you know? Yes. That's, that's very good sound advice. Uh, O has a heavy uh, emphasis on skill development and helping women to tap into their potential. Can you share some insights into the entrepreneurial skills you've developed over the years as a private contractor? Um, Just being confident, honestly. That's like a huge thing. Um, And just making sure you're doing things right and doing things the right way and in the honest way. Um, I think that's where you have like the most success. And uh, another key um, aspect for O is innovation and collective growth. Uh, Innovation often sets the real good entrepreneurs apart. So have there been any innovative approaches or technologies you've incorporated into your private contracting work to enhance efficiency and quality? Um, I kind of do things the old school way. So not necessarily. We still do draw the stuff by hand. Um, I do a lot of work for like farmers out in the country. Mm-hmm. So not anything huge. It's more like building fence and the docks and stuff like that. So I can't say I'm more, I'm not on the technological side. <laughs> I wish I was, but I'm still kind of more the old school stuff like that. But perhaps in, in your industry, you don't need to have to be innovative, mm-hmm. right? Like in other industries, perhaps like if, if you're designing cell phones, you know, you have to come out with the latest model and new features. And mm-hmm. um, if, if your techniques are working and you have repeat clients or you have new clients, then mm-hmm. you're, you're doing a, a good job. So there's no need to uh, change that uh, recipe. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be a little creative, maybe more creative. Like if something you have to build something a different way or if something's not working, you got to have more creativity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the way that we install things still like a. Uh, Stick with what you know. <laughs> it's kind of what my old boss used to say. <laughs> and yeah, that's very good to have. 
as, as a piece of advice. What are some of the key lessons you've learned from your entrepreneurial journey and private contracting that you believe would be valuable for other women looking to start their own businesses in traditionally male-dominated industries? Because that could be very, very daunting. It is. And just don't let it intimidate you. You know, just always trust that you know what you're doing. You're here for a reason. Uh, don't let people scare you away. They're going to talk whether you're doing good or bad. Um, mm-hmm. So just brush them off and just stick with what you know uh, and get out there and, and don't be scared to, to hustle um, and to show up and to be that dominant, strong woman, because that intimidates a lot of people. Um, but at the end of the day, you're doing this for you and don't let anybody get in your head. Great. So what um, your experience ranges from working as a private contractor and to teaching welding. So how mm-hmm. do these two roles complement each other and what unique effectiveness do you bring to your welding instruction as an entrepreneur? I think it's great because I can kind of make my own hours mm-hmm. um, and that then I can go um, and take my knowledge from that and bring it back to my students. Or if I have a project and I can also incorporate it with my students um, so they get to learn a lot from that side of the world too. Um, so I think it's great because they're like, they literally go hand in hand. Um, and so I love to bring that knowledge to them. Or if I have a product for them to build, they get all of that extra knowledge as well. And I think that's uh, one important thing that uh, schools all over the world should incorporate. So if you get uh, people in the real workforce to come in and teach these classes, mm-hmm. they're getting real life experiences because most of the uh, teachers or, or college professors, they're only book smart. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. they can write an essay. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, with mm-hmm. no grammatical errors, but you know, reading from uh, a welding textbook to actually doing hands-on, totally mm-hmm. different experience and and I'm I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I the students that come here talking about traditional schooling um, didn't enjoy school. Like I always tell them like I was the kid that didn't enjoy it. Like it wasn't hard for me necessarily, but it was just something I was like, man, I don't want to do this every day. And those kids finally come here and they like tell me how much they hate school. They don't want to be there. And they come here. They have no issues. And I've had teachers reach out to me and they're like, do you have issues? This is one of my problem students. I'm like, Absolutely not. Like they love being here. They're doing things that make them happy. They're working with their hands. They don't want to sit in front of a computer all day. Um, so those are the types of people that like are, need to be welders. They need to be pushed towards trades because they spent 12 years in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and they're just not that type of person. And, and I want people to understand that that's okay. Like you don't have to be that type of person. You can go do other things. You can work with your hands and you can make a lot of money. Yeah, and that is a great point that uh, I wouldn't mind uh, exploring further. There's so much pressure from society that if you don't have a college degree, then you're looked upon as uh, someone stupid. And, -hmm. you know, you had to go in the trades because there's nothing out there for you. And that's considerably false. Mm -hmm. Uh, People that go into trades uh, are are very intelligent because everything around um, that we use in society has been, you know, thought out. But someone had to create it. They had to use their hands. They had to use technology. And mm-hmm. it, it has to be safe. So, you know, whether you're, you're, you're welding a bridge or a dock or a fence, uh, if there's structural failure, then, you know, there, there's severe consequences. But you, you don't, uh, you know, turn on the news or, or if you're on um, social media, that you're seeing bridges falling or, or, or big skyscrapers coming apart or anything like that. No. So th- we're pretty smart people. It's mm-hmm. just, we have a different interest. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like you said, I can't sit in front of a, t- a screen for eight hours and just, just punch away. You know, for other people, 
That's great. You know, we need them too. We need everybody. So I think more respect should be uh, given to um, the skilled workers because they're the ones that make our society go and function and, and we won't have a future without them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I wish that schools like a, like grade school and middle school and high school, they applied more te- technical teaching uh, for those kids. So like, hey, there's there's other options out there, you know, they don't have to finally figure that out by the time they're 18. And, and it's, it's hard for exactly. me to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's one thing that they should really address because uh, every time, you know, the a new school year comes, kids are given uh laptops or they're giving computers and that's all they focus on but like you said doing some activities like they might be doing welding here or they might do carpentry there or they might try plumbing and mm-hmm. just to just to understand how things work because mm-hmm. it's really frightening to see uh, a young generation that they don't even know how to replace a light bulb yeah that's yeah. scary because first of all you got to figure out what 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 did you need and then okay where do i buy it and then how do i do it and i, I it's unbelievable. Like I have a daughter and um, she uh, is, she loves the uh, skilled trades. And um, when she was setting up her own place, uh, she, she wired in all her uh, light fixtures on her own. Yeah. So it's, it's not that, you know, women or, or anybody that's going into the blue collar that uh, they don't have a working brain. Yes, they do. It's just mm-hmm. when you're presented with um, information that doesn't excite you, that's useless. Yeah. Like how many years did you spend in school that we learned things that I've never used in my entire life? Majority of my lifetime. <laughs> right. But, it, yeah. but if they would have taught us, you know, maybe how to change a light switch, how, yeah. how to install a toilet, you know what, those things are, would be very beneficial for me. I, I would have definitely liked school a little more, you know, <laughs> instead of like listening to somebody talk for 12 hours. <laughs> And then that's where they should be able to kind of uh, like, I know in Europe, uh, Germany or Italy, uh, when they see kids that have more academic interests, they, mm-hmm. they start um, dividing them into other classes. And the ones that are want to learn a trade, you know, if they want to be a mason or, or a welder, then they start putting them uh, in the separate classes as young as 13 years of age. So that is actually still in time for us to, you know, get them interested in in a career path and, you know what, fill out the shortage because Europe doesn't have a big of uh, labor shortage as as North America. Yeah, that's so smart. And I really hope that like the future they start in traditional schools, start incorporating a lot more different things and understanding there's so many different kinds of people that learn so many different ways and we need to incorporate that for all of them. That's so important. So representation in um, the skilled trades is really crucial. We just were discussing that. So how has the presence of more women in your welding program influenced uh, the learning environment? It's been great. I Honestly, I love having girls here. Uh, I love my boys too. I'm not biased about all of it. I am, I'm, I'm a boy mom. I have two sons. You love <laughs> so all students, right? I, I do. That's it just it. makes me yeah. happy to see the girls here. But um, girls I, are honestly better most of the time are better welders than boys um they have more steady hands um they pay attention better and they pick up everything so much faster so that's when i'm not lying when and the girls usually beat all the boys in the welding competitions too so they can prove it (laughs) but like girls are just naturally better and they're like girls are more artistic so like that's why i tell the girls i'm like you probably don't even know it but you're probably a really good welder and they're like no i'm not and then they go do it and it's like told you (laughs) so (laughs) 
girls are just better at it. I don't, it's, it's amazing to see. That's fantastic. So how does your teaching uh, approach incorporate the values of uh, accountability, quality, and innovation uh, that WSU Tech stands for? So um, definitely, I love, I don't, I don't, this is what I say. I always say, um, I'm here to, to raise good welders, but I'm also here to raise good humans. Right. So <clears throat> I definitely hold them accountable. I'm like the welder mom. They call me the welder mom. So um, <laughs> we make sure that we talk about punctuality. They're always here on time. Um, respect is a huge thing, um, especially since there are girls in the shop and stuff like that. The boys, it's not the boys club anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't ever have any issues with it. I think it's more like the older generation that has issues with the women being in the shop, but the boys here, they don't think twice about the girls being in here. Um, uh, and I always try to make sure when they go to work, they understand that you have to be a good person. You have to be a hard worker. Um, you have to have a good attitude and you always have to have the willingness to learn. So those are the kind of the soapbox things that, that I preach um, because yeah, you can be a good welder, but if you have a bad attitude, nobody wants to hire you. Um, I'd rather have the person that has mediocre welding skills, but they have the best attitude in the world. Right. I'll take them all day over the ones that have a bad attitude. So those are the kinds of things that, that we go over here. Okay. So just uh, going through this uh, interview with you, it seems that you have a very, very busy life. You're, 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 mm-hmm. teaching, you're a private contractor, you're a mom, mm-hmm. and these are all demanding uh, tasks. So how do you manage your time effectively to excel in, in all these areas? Um, it's really not too bad because I love what I do. Mm-hmm. So when I come to work, it doesn't feel like I'm necessarily working all day because if you love what you do, do you really call it work? <laughs> Exactly. But I, I love my job and then I love doing the private contract stuff. And so it always kind of goes hand in hand. If it makes you happy every day, then then, I, then it's not really so draining, I guess. Um, but definitely in the field, I didn't feel like it was filling my cup as much. And I would kind of come home and be like, ah, like I love this, but I, I really love teaching more because I get to help people change their lives. Um, so it's definitely more fulfilling in that aspect. Okay. So just looking down into the future and um, the welding industry in general, where do you see um, welding heading towards, especially in terms of technology and its impact on various industries? Um, you, We have seen um, the robot robotic welders kind of making more of a presence, but they're never going to take over um, traditional welding. There's just mm-hmm. no way for it to happen. So I think welding is one of those trades that's, really not going to be taken over by technology. Um, There are different like laser cutters and CNCs and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. as for building the bridges, building the boats, um, building piping, all that stuff, you have to have a person there doing it. So I think that's one of those secure things that everybody's worried that technology is going to take over and nobody's going to have any jobs. Um, I think we're pretty secure in that area. Okay. Just to elaborate on that point, what qualities, human qualities, uh, that we possess that gives us the advantage over um, like ro- robots? So for instance, um, so if you're welding pipe, um, sometimes the gaps um, don't match up or sometimes uh, something is not fit up perfectly. And yeah. so if you had a robot, it would have to be fit up perfectly every single time. So there's always going to be human error in a lot of stuff. And right. so when you're welding, you have to make those adjustments as you're going and mm-hmm. a robot could not do those types of things. So they can do different kinds of joints probably on a flat surface and they'll be okay. Um, but for like out of position and for bigger things and for things that could go wrong, a robot will never replace. 
that's reassuring because a lot of, of people that are in the skilled trades are, are talking about, uh, you know, robotics and uh, AI right. coming around and they're, they're worried about job security. But like you said, there's still a lot of aspects where they're not able to do things better than humans. Yeah, there's no way you could bring a robot out to a refinery and go make repairs. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have to have a person go out there and do that or out on the pipeline. You're not going to have a robot go out there and do that. Um, even building airplanes, you still have to have a person um, doing all that because um, there are a lot of the robot motors that I've seen. They they have a lot of issues, too. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just probably faster to even just have a person do it. So, um, yeah, there are robots, but I don't think they're going to take over anytime soon. Okay. So yeah, anyone that was worried about it, there's your answer. Yeah. So, <laughs> WSU Tech has a vision of being a, a leading provider of higher education. So what steps are being taken to achieve this vision? Um, so whenever our students come here in high school, they take a two-year program. Um, so they can get their associates in welding and they okay. can graduate high school at the same time. Um, so that's really cool. And then I know if they wanted to go get their bachelor's in business, mm -hmm. um, WSU as a college, so we're WSU Tech, and then they could go to WSU um, and get their like bachelor's and all the credits and stuff would count. So there's like limitless opportunities um, for getting all kinds of degrees if, if that's the route they wanted to take. Nice. So how does WSU Tech ensure that its graduates are well prepared for employment, especially with skills aligned to employer needs? So we have a IAT um, meeting every year where we bring in um, all the surrounding industry partners and they talk about what they're looking for, um, what they would like to see and all that stuff. So we can incorporate the need in the Wichita area mm -hmm. for what we're teaching our students. So when we send them out, we know that they um, have a good understanding of what they're walking into uh, and that they're skilled in it. And they can just literally go to work and they've already learned it in school. And, and that's great, even from an employer uh, perspective, because um, right now, you have all these kids graduating and they're not meeting any of the job market needs. They don't have the skills that we need to start right away. That's that's mm -hmm. a good recipe for success for sure. So what advice would you give to students considering a technical education at WSU Tech or another institution? I would say do it. I'm a little biased, but... <laughs> <laughs> of course. If you don't like sitting at a computer all day and you know that's not for you, come to come try it out at least there's like if you don't want to do welding you can do construction you can do hvac you can do um automotive you can do robotics there's drones there's like a like limitless opportunities to find something that you could hone on and, and be something that you're good at um and you don't have to go spend four years at a university and you don't have to spend fifty thousand dollars you can come here maybe spend you can go for free if you're in high school or you can mm -hmm. maybe spend Pops like five thousand dollars. I mean, that's probably on the high end, yeah. and that's a lot better than fifty thousand. And then go to work right after, or work while you're going to school. So, I think it's a great route. <laughs> Those are all pluses. That's amazing. So, in your view, what's the most exciting aspect of being involved in the welding industry today? Uh, most exciting. I just love seeing my students graduate and, and go to work. And then they call me, you know, they're like, Hey, me, I passed my weld test or um, I got That's the job. Great. Like, thank you so much for helping me. Like you changed my life. Um, and like, I'm so glad like you taught me this certain thing because that's exactly what I needed at my job or that's why I got the job. So that's been like the most exciting part about teaching. 
And and I can really uh, relate to that when I was teaching. That was one important thing I wanted to do is I wanted to see my students succeed. And, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed when they would come back and say, you know, I've accomplished this and I accomplished that. Because mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot of people that enter the teaching profession, they don't take it seriously. Yeah. I don't understand that you, you have this incredible person in front of you waiting to be mold, molded yeah. into um, uh you know, the next generation person, maybe a future leader, maybe mm-hmm. a, a wonderful, um, a skilled individual, or maybe a doctor. And they're, they're not giving these kids the, the information, the skills, or everything that they need to have the, the proper guidance to, to figure out their true path in life. And listening to what you said, I, you know, I'm so happy. And I think you're, you're, um, your students are very lucky to have you as an instructor, someone that's uh, very dedicated to that job. And, and I hope you, you actually inspire many, many generations of uh, young ladies. Yes, thank you. I do think that in the Walling program, we get like the, the consider them the misfits or whatever, and they've had issues or whatever in school because they don't enjoy it. And, and those are like, I see those kids here and I can just tell like nobody's like believed in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I give them that courage because I'm like, Hey, I was you at one point in time. And, and I'm like, you can do this, you know, and like having those kids that have just like turned their entire lives around because they found something that, that they're passionate about. Right. Like that's really like been my whole mission of teaching, just giving those kids that like yeah. need that like For sure. empowerment. So that's been the best part about it. So, so that's one label that we have to crush. You are not a misfit. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're put on this planet for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And the older generation are the ones that guide you towards your purpose. And if you didn't find your purpose, then you know what? We're at fault because we didn't do our job. Yeah. So no, I I I I I look at uh, students uh, all equally. I give them the um, same opportunity. And I, I got to know them on a one-to-one basis because like you said, some like to learn um, listening, others, you know, visually, others write it down. And mm-hmm. I remember my f- very first year of teaching, um, I had uh, to teach English, which wasn't my teachable subject. So I had to do a lot of prep work. And I'm going through the list of students. Um, I didn't know any of the names because I was new there. And then you would hear the other teacher say, oh, my God, I feel sorry for Rosemary. She's got all <laughs> the misfits. Yeah. You know, who are taking English for the second or third time, you know, mm. um, then they go, oh, don't worry about it. She's young. She's got energy. She, she can uh, deal with it. And we're, we're done with it. So they had already that negative idea. And then some of them would take me to the corner and go, do you want to know about so-and-so? Do you want to know about this person? I said, no. I go, let me judge on my own. Mm-hmm. Right. And like I said, having that positive attitude and trying to see, well, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses and, and then working on their weaknesses and, and encouraging their strengths. My students did have success. They did graduate, yeah. right? And yeah. and like you said, it's the most fulfilling, wonderful experience. And then that's that was a true purpose. And that's why I'm kind of here today because um, I left the teaching uh, job many, many years ago because the, when you're an employee of the government and the government tells you basically what you need to teach. And it kind of didn't go along with my core values and principle. And I said, well, I'm not going to stand there in front of a class of 30 kids and tell them, you know, what, what the narrative is by the government. I wanted to teach them, you know, real life experiences based on my life and my friends' lives so that they have a good uh, a grasp of reality when they do finish school. And you know what? I just had to find another job. And mm-hmm. now 
I, I see you know, 30 years later that our, our, our school systems have really uh, deteriorated. And the only thing that some of these kids have is our, are these uh, social media platforms and, and hearing our voices. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that I with my my programs, my my business uh, programs, and also my uh, mindset programs, that I will be able to inspire and, and help uh, women get to their true purpose in life. Yes, I love that. Thank you. So, as we wrap up, can you share a memorable moment from your career as a welding instructor that truly encapsulates your uh, passion for teaching? Yeah. Um, so when I very first started teaching, I was just super new. It was like, I literally was like terrified of like public speaking, all of that. I can't, couldn't believe I was going to be a teacher, but so like, uh, it was COVID and that's when I, my first experience, my first year of teaching COVID, they shut down the school and I was like trying to reach out to my students, you know, like telling them to come back. Finally, it's time to come back so we could finish over the summer. And this kid just ignored like all of my emails, all of my messages. And I was like, really sad. I was like, wow, he was doing great. And Mm. One random day, he just showed back up and he's like, sorry, I'm just having really, really bad time, Amy. Like, I'm just, I just don't think I'm going to make it. And, and uh, all of a sudden I was like, no, you're fine. We're going to, we're going to work through this, you know? And so I started spending time with him and we, he's like, I need a, I need a job. I need a job tomorrow. Like my car broke down. I need money. So mm-hmm. I figured out uh, there's a place local that was hiring. And so I figured out their well test. I got everything ready for him. Um, and he's like, he went and took the well test. He passed, like he got the job, this kid that was just at his lowest point in his life. Um, and he came back like a month or two later, like in tears and like hugged me. Cause he's like, I don't know what I would have done, Amy, if you would not have helped me like it, like you're the first person to ever even reach out your hand to like help. I was like, well, that's like my job, you know, but he's like, no, seriously, like nobody's ever helped me. And so that that was the point I knew I was like, this is, this is my purpose. This is, this is why I'm here is, is to help those people that have never had anybody help them, you know? Cause like everybody just wants to be seen and and a lot of people don't ever get that. And so it breaks my heart. So whenever I see those kids, I'm like, I see you, like, I'm going to help you and you're going to do great things. So that's such a beautiful sh- uh, story. I- I'm glad you shared that. That actually touched my heart and I got goosebumps because you know what? You saved a life that day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's so important because like you said, these uh, individuals are just lost and forgotten mm-hmm. and, and no, every person is important. Every person deserves that opportunity. And uh, we're so grateful that you're there at WSU and you're changing lives and you're also saving lives. So that's uh, commendable, you know, thank you so much for doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, Amy, uh, as our uh, interview draws to a close, and uh, your your journey, your dedication to empowering uh, women in welding was absolutely amazing. Do you have any final message or advice you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Um, just follow, like follow your heart. Um, I just truly believe, like a lot of people have been told they can't. You know, like I didn't even know I could be a welder, but like if you feel some type of way about something, it's probably for a reason, and so mm-hmm. just. You, you're going to have a purpose and just follow your heart and follow your intuition um, because you can go do great things. Beautiful. Well said. So how can our uh, audience connect with you uh, or WSU tech to learn more about welding programs, opportunities? So we do have an Instagram page um, for our WSU tech. So it's WSU tech underscore welding. Um, you can follow us on there. And I also have a TikTok. Um, so I know I'm like the hip teacher, but we have some <laughs> some welding social media stuff. And then also if you ever wanted to go to our WSU tech um, page uh, for the college, um, there's all kinds of information on there as well. But I post lots of fun videos of the kids welding and they all love it. So um, you can definitely follow us on there. 
Okay, great. We'll put it in the show notes. And it's important, everybody, to follow one another. Make sure you uh, join all those pages along with our pages on Instagram and Facebook. Um, If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast to learn more insights and lessons from powerful women like Amy succeeding in their respective industries. Also, like and share this episode. It goes a long way towards supporting and uplifting women. If you like to learn more about um, O and everything we do to support women, including my personal and professional development courses to upgrade every aspect of your life, whether you want to launch a new business or take the next step in your career, visit us at onlywomenentrepreneurs.com for a free consultation. Follow us on social media at onlywomenentrepreneurs and stay up to date with everything that's O. Thank you so much, uh, Amy, for uh, listening and and talking and uh, sharing some wonderful stories and experiences. And audience, I hope you join us for our next episode. Bye. Thank you, guys.